Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. We look at it as more of drawing people to our site so that they'll be redirected as more of a marketing uh, top funnel activity. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Honest Ecommerce. I'm your host Chase Clamer and today, uh, I, you know, I just quickly, I'm going to love I love the new software we're using to record the podcast. It makes it so much easier to have co-founders on the show. So today I have two guests actually, not just one. Uh, today I'm welcoming Yoni and Jay. They're coming to us from Tip Top Proper Cocktails. Uh, so welcome to the show guys. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you. Great. Awesome. So uh, for the listeners that are unaware, uh, who wants to give us just a crash course on what the product actually is so we can kind of have that idea as we discuss the rest of the things today? Sure. I can I can do that. Um, we make classic cocktails in tiny little cans. So currently that's an old-fashioned, a Manhattan, a Negroni, um, a margarita, a daiquiri, and a bee's knees. With that, you know something that I think kind of separates you from the crowd and leads you to today's show is you're you're selling these products online as well. We are indeed um, online and in uh, traditional distribution. There is a ton of interesting challenges that we or that I have learned at the very least. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting space. All right. Well, uh, take me back uh, to kind of what was going on in your guys' lives kind of w- when this idea came to you and you decided that you wanted to uh, start slanging drinks, I guess. Yeah. Um, I can take that one as well. So my background is in the live music space. I started a festival in New York City called the Governor's Ball um, in 2011. And... You know, after selling the festival to Live Nation, I was thinking about what was next and the idea of being able to serve quality cocktails efficiently in those type of environments is the one that stuck with me, right? So, did a little research, seemed like a good idea and dove right in um, with with my, my friend and, and partner, Neil Cohen. Um, and collectively, I would say what we're really, really good at is knowing what we're not good at. And so we went out and found people much smarter than us. Um, and one of them is, uh, is Jay here who actually knows the, the Bev Elk space, which we knew nothing about. Well, I, I think that, uh, Yoni's obviously humble as always. And, and what I love about Yoni and Neil, uh, I'm actually, um, I was found by the co-founder. So Neil Cohen is a co-founder who wasn't able to join us today. But uh, and Yoni kind of had the idea, as he mentioned, after uh, uh, selling GovBall to Live Nation. However, the interesting part is is that what they have learned um, has transcended the BevAlk space. So I think you know, obviously, in in the world of of selling concert tickets and festival tickets, it's all online. So what's really 
I think a valuable insight and assets for TipTop in the online space is the fact that they've taken all of their learnings from the festival selling business to uh, apply it to BevAlk, and it's been a it's been you know just like every relationships and pushes and pulls, but I think it's uh, going to be for the betterment of uh, the cocktail lover out there that wants to find TipTop online. What's really funny is I might be the most uniquely qualified person to give this interview with kind of my my backstory. I worked a lot in music. I helped start a promotions company here in Ohio and I sold my it's I have so many like parallels here and I know exactly the frustrations of serving mixed drinks at festivals and I can't I, I wish that that was in the the pre-interview stuff cuz I could have just dove down that rabbit hole. We're going to get into it now. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it hard to serve a cocktail at a festival? Well, those type of cocktails require like some level of skill, right? And they take time. So our festival is a three-day event. Or my, my old festival uh, yeah. was a three-day event. Um, and the people who worked, you know, the tents were like a church group volunteers or like a fraternity that, you know, they were not quality mixologists, if you will. Why, why couldn't you hire a quality mixologist to do this? Why'd you have to get volunteers like that? Yeah, it's it's 50,000 people a day. So we had a lot of tents. Um, so th- that's, that's in short the answer. Yeah. Well, isn't there uh, selling alcohol outside though? Don't you have to partner with a uh, some sort of nonprofit to, to be able to do that? Well, we used a concessionaire um, called Spectrum Concessions. They're quite good. Great people. And yeah, they, they handled all the staffing. So they do events all over the place. Um, and so, yeah, uh, they know how to staff folks in New York City and, and many other cities. It's sort of just a roster they go to. Absolutely. And there, not only that, but there's the, uh, the product cost. Uh, there's going to be a lot of waste at the end of the day. Uh, and ordering for an event like that is a full-time job in and of itself, to be honest. Yep. So anytime you're adding complexities to the menu, you're adding product cost. Exactly right. I mean, even to the point where we we decided not to do kegs at all for beer. We went with cans only just be, because someone can tap a keg and do it wrong and it's all foam for a while and you lose a bunch of beer and you lose a bunch of time, right? That, mostly when you're selling, you know, seven to $9 beers at a three-day event, the goal is to do that as efficiently as you possibly can and keep the lines short. So, yeah, there, that's a whole world we can go down there. Yeah, okay, so let's, I'm, I'm going to snap. So, you saw the inefficiencies of making mixed drinks and just the efficiency of popping the top on whatever uh, domestic or import or craft beer uh, that you happen to have there and you saw the opportunity. Yeah, that's essentially right. And just the thought that my tastes have changed, right? Like I, I, at that point, I was less into beer. I was more into cocktails. And those options weren't available in those type of places. So, and, and it just generally seemed like a good idea. It's one of those ideas that are like, why hasn't this happened yet? And the truth is it, it has to some degree. They just haven't been very good for a while. And they've thankfully started to get a lot better over the past few years. The, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. So, um, it's been good, been good to see. As far as uh, just innovation within the alcohol industry, I would, I would say. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I would say that that is probably one of the more traditional 
industries uh, when it comes to the way they do business compared to kind of how fast you see innovation in, in other areas, uh, you know, just because of the complexities of the interstate laws and all that stuff. If you, you have to really want to take on that challenge, it seems. Yeah, it's funny. In, in the US, it's the most profitable um, region in the world for beverage alcohol. However, um, it's also one of the most complex because the rest of the world you know, a brand owner creates a brand, puts it into a bottle can vessel, and then sells it to a retailer or sells it directly to a consumer. But in the US, there are the wholesale tier, the retail tier, the consumer. And then as you mentioned, every single state has slightly different laws about accessibility. So if you're in PA, for example, you have to go to specific stores to get your spirits and wine, specific stores to get your beer and have, you know, limited access based off of uh, what the state will allow things to be brought into and so on and so forth. So, yeah, that that's why online and e-commerce for TipTop and for the BevAlk space um, is one of the most exciting trends that are happening and evolving on a month-by-month basis when it comes to laws, accessibility, consumer adoption, and certainly being propelled by the by the last two years of all of our lives stuck at home. Oh, absolutely. So I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, we used to not be able to. So we we were we beer delivery was a thing, uh, but it wasn't like digital until kind of the pandemic. And and then you could get lower alcohol stuff delivered, but we still can't get hard alcohol delivered here, in, at least here in Columbus. I don't right. know if it's a city by city thing, but I've, we've been seeing, I've been seeing it evolve. It's statewide. Yeah, and it's, it's why. And here's the thing. I, I was looking at this about a week ago. I wanted to deliver a bottle of whiskey to someone that did us a favor and I couldn't. And I was just like, this is so frustrating. Yeah. I, I want a bottle of whiskey. Just send it my way. I'm in Chicago. You can send it to Chicago every day. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's Ohio is is a, is a what they call a control state. So they they have agents, retailers, and so um, sort of the uh, the state government runs the show there on what how alcohol spirits get um, purveyed in that particular state. Absolutely. So um, you got the idea for the brand. You know, uh, you know what? Take me from the ideation of the brand, coming up with the name to launch. There's obviously a lot of steps in between in there, especially uh, kind of tiptoeing and and following the laws, kind of as they require in that specific kind of vertical. Um, so, what were some of the the major milestones in that journey? I'd say choosing the name was was probably the first on that, as you mentioned, and you know, tip top. Came, you know, I asked a bunch of friends for ideas and one of them said tip top and, and I just loved it, right? There's the alliteration. It's fun and easy to say. Um, it's memorable. Uh, so it just, it just seemed like a winner. Plus we could get the trademark for it and, you know, the website and whatnot. Um, so there was that. And then I'd say, you know, the design piece as well. Um, that took quite a while, right? Like we know there's no, real IP we have around this, right? There, there's no moat. Anybody could put an old fashioned in a can. So we have to build a brand that people really connect to and not just the name, but, but how it looks. Um, it's also partly why we chose that very unique can that we're in. Um, and then of course, formulating the actual, the product itself. We worked with, um, I'm down in Atlanta. There, there's a bar here called Kimball House. 
anyone's in Atlanta and you don't know it, you should absolutely go there. <laughs> um, we work with this guy, Miles McQuarrie. He's a uh, many time James Beard finalist. Uh, and he did all our recipe development. He's quite good at what he does. So that's sort of where we started, took his recipes and had a formulation company scale those up so they can be, you know, created at production scale. That took quite some time as well. And they were all sort of happening in parallel paths. Um, and I'd say the hardest part was probably finding a co-packer, someone who was willing to, you know, say, all right, this seems like a good idea. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to fill this can that you've got here. Uh, that was probably the most challenging part. And for for people that aren't in the, like the beverage space, what is a co-packer? A little more in depth. Yeah, sure. It's you know instead of buying your own equipment and renting a facility and insurance and all that that goes with that, essentially you uh, outsource that, right? So there's companies out there that all they do is fill cans for other brands or, or bottles, um, and so that's what a co-packer is. For for us, awesome. And then, so with all that stuff going on, how long did it take to go from you know kind of conception to you've got a product in your hand and you're ready to kind of start uh, going to market? I'd say it was probably about two years. So we were on shelves um, October of 2019. And I think it took about two years to get to that point. All right. So putting putting the product on shelves. So with your go-to-market strategy, obviously, there's a big retail portion of it. Um, uh, this show, we're definitely leaning more heavily on e-commerce and launching uh, a you know spirit brand. And it's not a spirit brand. Sorry, that I'm saying the wrong thing. But a ready-to-drink... Spirit-based. Yeah. A ready-to-drink uh, product online has its kind of difficulties. So um, how did you approach going to market with the direct-to-consumer route? Yeah, that was that was always of interest, right? Um, uh, you know, like I said, music was my background. I knew nothing about the three tier system in in beverage alcohol, which I've learned quite a bit in the past few years. So I always wanted to be able to sell these online, as Jay was saying. Both Neil and I come from that, you know, the music festival world, where our goal was to market to people, get them to a website, get them to you know buy a ticket. So that's that was the goal and that's what we wanted to get to. Um, it was quite challenging and there was significant learnings there. Um, but ultimately, uh, so we were on shelves, you know, in real life through traditional distribution in October, 2019. And, uh, I think it took about a year to figure out how to do direct to consumer, which isn't actually direct to consumer, by the way, because that's not legal. Um, we just sort of call it that. We still have to sell to a distributor who sells to a retailer that is able to sell online. Uh, and the laws are not only different in each state, but they're all very gray. <laughs> There's no very clear rule. So uh, it's, it's a complicated world. In most industries, you go direct to consumer first, and then you get to retail with your products. But due to the complexity and and sort of gray gray area, that's why, interestingly enough, it did take us an extra year from being traditional retail to then doing the original entry point, which was, you know, supposedly going to be direct to consumer. So, just an interesting tidbit about this particular industry. Absolutely. So. You know, to draw parallels to maybe a, a, a similar industry like apparel or something like that, it's almost as if you are uh, 
selling your wholesalers products for them uh, in, in a sense on your main website right. to, to deal with how the limitations of the laws work. That's a probably a very, very oversimplification of the process though. I mean, it's a market. It's, a, it's just, as you're saying, we're marketing to consumers to draw people to the website to then, then have the actual uh, monetary transaction occur outside of ourselves to a retailer. But of course, we are selling to a distributor you know, goods that then that retailer is then selling to the end consumer. So we, we look at it as more of drawing people to our site so that they'll be redirected as more of a marketing uh, top funnel activity. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E L E C T R I C E Y E.io. Mesa is the expansion pack for your Shopify store to level up your brand. By turning all your apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can help lighten your workload and tame the day to day chaos of running your store. Join successful brands like Mudwater, Chubbies, and Golden to learn how to use clever workflows to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order details in Google Sheets, products added on Etsy, or customer information updated in your CRM, Mesa connects your data where it's needed most. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Browse pre-made templates for Shopify's most popular apps to get your first automation up and running in minutes. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Our partner Rewind can protect your e-commerce store by automatically backing up your business critical data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix, Paul Mitchell, and Pampers. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash honestecommerce to get your first month absolutely free. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. 
It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. And I played around with the site a little bit before this today. And when people land, you ask kind of what state they're in. And then that kind of dictates the path that they can take probably. Exactly right. Right. Some mm-hmm. states are just a hard no. Right. We're sorry. Or, you know, your state doesn't allow this. Um, and then, yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Other states will it'll figure out which retailers can serve you and so on. And did you guys have to build something custom for that? Or is, are there kind of solutions in the market these days that kind of help you solve those problems? Yeah, there's a number of solutions out there in the market. Yeah, th- there's a number of them. We're actually not legally allowed to do that ourselves. So uh, in the alcohol industry, it's called a third-party marketing agency, which is a little confusing, quite honestly. That's not how yeah. I would describe it. But it, it's essentially a you know a fourth tier, if you will, of, of a three-tier system. Yeah, no, that it's it's very inter- it's very interesting to hear just the complexities that go along with uh, the challenges that you have to face with your particular kind of industry, uh, and unfortunately, how easy it is to sell a T-shirt online. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is is that you know anybody who's interested in the space can you know do their own search and within an hour kind of unpack a number of ways to get there. But really understanding the unit of economics and you know what the cost of acquisition is, lifetime customer value, those things that are readily available and, and more or less you know known to most basic apparel companies becomes a little muddier in our world. Oh, absolutely. You guys actually have a, a really interesting partnership. Uh, did you announce that already? Or are you about to uh, kind of release that information? It's been released. We, we've, we've been enjoying it for almost a year now. So yeah. Absolutely. So let the listeners know what I was alluding to. Uh, well, uh, because Yoni and Neil are Atlanta-based and, and Miles McQuarrie is uh, based in Atlanta, had a lot to do with the fact that um, the you know, the major focus of the pandemic was operational ease and sort of finding new ways to delight customers, you know, amongst all the other things that we're all dealing with. And Delta Airlines um, decided that they wanted to uh, offer a classic cocktail experience to their to their flyers. And so while some other airlines were denying economy class beverage alcohol on flights for, you know, obvious reasons and just operational complexity. Uh, Delta in April of 2021 brought the tip-top margarita and the tip-top old-fashioned on the the planes and and the entire domestic market and uh, short-term international flights. And so we are their cocktail partner, um, which has been an incredible partnership, not just from a... um, selling perspective, but from a uh, marketing strategy perspective, they've really leaned in on the local relationship of of bringing TipTop's name to the forefront of their communications to their passengers. Um, there's ongoing innovation discussions about new items, new products, and, and new ways to continue to help 
them at Delta Airlines to light their customers and serve them better quality products like Tip Top. So it's been tremendous. It's been uh, a way for us to expand our distribution, our reach, our trial, and um, you know certainly provides uh, a platform that you know being an Atlanta-based company we would not have had um, in this short span of our lifetime. That 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 allows us also another vehicle to draw people back to our. Uh, our online, you know, efforts. Absolutely. I was going to ask, uh, you know, obviously it's probably a decent sized order. Everyone's happy with that. And it helps you guys hit metrics that you want to do. Like you're saying, does unit economics increase the sales volume so you can get better economies of scale on stuff? Um, but did you see an uptick in uh, just, I guess, traffic to the website from areas that like you weren't really marketing to uh, from, you know, putting your cocktail on these internet not, uh, domestic flights? Sorry. I, I think Yoni, if you if you can speak to that one a bit on the you know the additional hubs. I mean, Atlanta has been obviously exponentially growing in searches and awareness and and sort of how our sales have been operating. But we're getting a pretty clean, um, you know, a pretty clean uptick across the board month over month um, in the population in the sort of e-commerce centric places like Southern California. And you know New York and and the usual suspects, but I don't know if there's any other um, definitive insights that we can gather yet from from that Delta awareness as as it relates to online. But Yoni, if, if you have an idea, then then please. Yeah, um, I think that's exactly right. Uh, there wasn't anything in particular. Generally, uh, awareness increased, of course, as more people were flying um, and becoming aware of the brand. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, there was there was nothing in particular from a you know geography standpoint that that stood out to us. Kind of on the back of that question, so were there any things that you guys were there any activities that you guys have done that have helped increase online sales for the brand? Yeah, one thing, one thing we did, you know, sort of based on a hunch, and we wanted to test it out, is that we felt free shipping was sort of. Um, something that consumers have started to sort of expect, right? And because of all the folks in the value chain, as I mentioned, right? Distributors, retailers, um, and us, we couldn't just offer free shipping because it turns out shipping is not, in fact, free. It, it costs money. Um, so what we did is we increased the price of the eight packs that we sell online. and. Um, that worked out really well. So yeah, we increased the price from $35 to $40 and sort of, you know, $5 isn't, um, that's not going to cover shipping. But what we did is we said, buy three eight packs and you get, uh, free shipping, right? And that increased our average order value tremendously. And that worked really quite well. There's, there's something, you know, in the psyche of consumers, they, they they don't like paying for shipping, and I'm one of those people. I don't like paying for shipping either, uh, so I get it, and uh, it worked. Yeah, that's a great strategy to test when you're working on your pricing and working on your, your offer when you're first bringing your product to market. And I see people doing that all the time with the two tactics there that you spoke of. The one is, you know, do we charge for shipping or not, and just increase the price. Nine times out of ten, people don't care about the price increase; they more care about having to pay more. Period. 
uh, like if there if there's another surcharge or fee as opposed to this it being a certain price and in, in the free shipping, but also uh, offering the free shipping tier as kind of a upsell as far as you know you know let's get this average order value up by kind of making a bundle. Um, those are two fantastic strategies that you don't even have to be in your particular industry to utilize. You could use that all over the place with any 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 type of product that you're selling online. So those are two things that definitely. Um, Take a look at and, and strategize on to see if it would work for your own particular business. Now, um, is there anything I forgot to ask you about today that you think would resonate with our listeners? No, I'm not sure anything jumps to mind immediately. <laughs> yeah, I just I just think um, the usual stuff around making sure your consumer experience is as 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 you would want it to be. In other words, if you're trying to experience something online, you want it to be smooth, easy, and simple, and deliver. So, just you know, we. We're always trying to improve that, and uh, we're not there yet. But we have we've we've gotten through, I think, some of the basic steps, and we've got some good feedback from our consumers. We we had some challenges um, last year when we first got started in ensuring the retailers were in stock with some of our products, and and there was some frustration on the consumer on the customer service side. We had to field you know rel- you know regular. I ordered this. It didn't arrive for nine days. I ordered this. It didn't arrive for twelve days. Where's my order? Those kind of issues. And luckily, we've been on top of that a lot more over the last few months. And we have, you know, very rarely do we have a customer service issue uh, now uh, with our current order flow. But that's that was a challenge that we had to overcome is is managing uh, the the inventory stock, making sure that we have. Um, you know, good communication from our website to our consumer customers on if there were, were to be a time, you know, a delay or an inventory out of stock, how do we communicate that? How do we share transparently? Uh, Neil Cohen, uh, he, he wrote a pretty heartfelt letter about the process of just, you know, getting you your cocktails when you want them so that that really resonated with our email audiences and beyond. Because uh, it's really important to all of us that we just you know, keep everybody in the loop on, on, you know, we, what we, what our mission is, which is to bring you some of the best cocktails you can have, um, you know, where you don't have your favorite bartender, you, you can have a can of tip top. Oh, absolutely. And just setting expectations from the get go are just, it's going to be such a better customer experience along the line. Um, so I, we've you know chatted here for almost thirty minutes about these these beverages. If someone wants to figure out if you guys actually ship to their state, where do they go to check this thing out? Yeah, you can go to tiptopcocktails.com and uh, you can find us there. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for coming on today's show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.